Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkei Avos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you enjoy this podcast on Pirkei Avos, you might also like my other podcast. It's a short inspirational burst every week which is available on Apple and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. You can search Positive Perspectives by Shlomo or look at the show notes below and I'll take you to the show. For this week, we begin with chapter six, Mishnah number six. Perek Vav, Mishnah Vav. Now, this Mishnah is a longer Mishnah. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'll, I'll go through it really quickly right now in the beginning. And then we're going to go back towards the beginning again and discuss it piece by piece and the different points that I want to bring out tonight. The Mishnah begins. Gedoyla Taira Yoyser Menakahuna that the, the Torah, right? As we mentioned before, this, this, cha- this uh, chapter is dealing with the benefits of study of Torah, the beauty of Torah, what is gained by someone who studies Torah. So the mission is continuing in that vein. And we know that the last Mishnah discussed how somebody who who studies Torah, he has even more, his, his table is greater than a wealthy person's table. And the, the mission of the previous mission discussed all some of the benefits, how, he, how, how a person who delves himself into the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvah, mitzvos, um, exceeds the, I guess, other people, the, the, his table is greater than the table of kings. And now that we just explained that in the previous Mishnah, Mishnah Hay, the our Mishnah today, Mishnah Vav, is it going to explain to us exactly how his, I guess, his benefits of being a Torah scholar, someone who studies Torah, exceeds that of kings and that of Kohanim, priests. Now the Mishnah says, Torah is even greater than priesthood or royalty. Because royalty, kingship, is acquired along with 13 prerogatives. There's certain 13, there's 13, um, there's 13 prereqs, prerequirements to, to be a king. Bahakuhuna and the and the kahuna, the priesthood, to be a kohen, that obviously the kohanim served in the base amigdash, they served in the temple, and they also had the rights to certain sacrifices. So it's greater than royalty and priesthood. So we said the royalty is acquired with thirteen prereqs, thirteen prerogatives. And the kahuna, the priesthood, is acquired with Esrim Va'arba, 24 gifts. 
But the Torah is acquired by means of 48 qualities. Now, there's going to be different questions that we're going to ask. We're going to come back to it. Let's continue. The Eluhain, these are the 48 qualities, which, or the means of 48 qualities in which Torah is acquired. Number one, here we go. I'm not going to keep count because it's too many. Not too many. It's, it's a lot. The Talmud through study, through attentive listening, through articulate speech, by intuitive understanding, with discernment, with awe, with reverence, with humility, with joy, with purity. Right? We're, we're saying what is needed in order to fully acquire the crown of Torah, right? We continue. With, I guess, by, by, like, by following around Chachamim, not stalking Chachamim of sages, but the way it's translated in the art school is ministering to the sages. It means you spend time with the sages. You learn from their ways by, by being with them and spending time with them. Closeness with colleagues, with discussion with students, with, with, with deliberation, with the knowledge of, of, of Mishnah, of sorry, of scripture and Mishnah, now with limiting business, by, by limiting business, one is going to gain the crown of Torah, by, by minimizing or limiting. The is a person's occupation and their livelihood. Bemiut tainug, bemiut schayra with limiting business. Bemiut derecheretz by limiting one's physical um, intimacy with their spouse. Bemiut tainug by by limiting pleasure. Bemiut shena by limiting sleep. Bemiut sicha by limiting conversation. Bemiut schayk by limiting laughter. Now, you know, we're, we're, we're reading through this Mishnah. Maybe it seems a little bit harsh. It seems extreme. We're going to explain. Someone who's, who's slow to anger. Someone with a good heart. Someone who has faith in the sages. By someone who accepts suffering. One who somebody, it's the Torah is acquired by someone who knows his place. Someone who is happy with one's lot. One who makes a protective fence around his personal matters. And he doesn't claim credit for himself. Being beloved. Loving Hashem. Loving creatures. Loving the people. Loving righteous ways, loving righteousness, loving justice, someone who loves reproof, who, who, someone who goes away from honor, right? And not being arrogant with his learning. And he's not enjoy halach decision making. He, he shares the burden of his fellow 
and he judges him favorably. And he sets him on a truthful course, meaning he, he stands up for truth. He stands up for peace. And he thinks about his study. He thinks deliberately about what he studied. He asks and answers. He listens and contributes. He, he learns in order to, to teach. And, and he learns in order to practice. Making his teacher wiser. And he says, when he says something over, he says it over in the name of the person he heard it from. <clears throat> and the Mishnah finishes with a thought based on the last of the qualities which one needs to acquire the Torah. We have learned, right? We have we have learned this that whoever says something over in the name that he heard it from, maybe Gaula he brings redemption to the world. As we know in the Megillah, it says that Esther said in the name of Mordechai, right? When she when she talked about Big Sam and Seresh, how they wanted to kill Achashverosh, she said it over in the name of Mordechai. Okay, that was a lot in the Mishnah. So I wanted to, to just go through the, a few ideas here and go through it again one more time, just to get some clarity. So the first thought, which I wanted to explain tonight, is, is, a, is a really a question. So we established the reason why the Mishnah lists this Mishnah now, because it's following the last Mishnah, which describes that and tells us that living a Torah life is better than any other life. So the, the mission is telling us how. But the question that I have that's, that's raised, and it seems to be fairly obvious, is that the comparison is not necessarily matching up. Because what did the Mishnah say? Let's take a look at this. The Mishnah said the Torah, the crown of Torah, is greater than the crown of priesthood and the crown of kingship. The crown of royalty is acquired with 30, I guess, gifts or prerogatives or prereqs, as we call it. And the priesthood is, is gained through 24 gifts that the Kohen needs to get these 24, this 24 qualities that he has to have in order to get these gifts. Right. And it's, I don't know if it's a time for now, but the commentaries bring down the different prereqs and the qualities that a Kohen and a king need to have in order to be considered a king, to be considered a Kohen. But the Torah is greater because it's acquired with 48 qualities by the means of 48 qualities, meaning by having these traits, these 48 traits, and applying it to ourselves, that's how we're fully going to, I guess, become or gain for ourselves, acquire the crown of Torah. Now, the question that's asked is that, how is this a good comparison? How does it match up? Because in the beginning of the Mishnah, we list the prereqs that are needed to be a king, right? The qualifications that are needed to be a Kohen. 
how does that compare to the qualities which are needed to acquire the Torah? Right? And how does this, how does that show us that the Torah is, is more treasured, the crown of Torah is more valuable? Right? Because if if I tell you that you need a few specific things to become president, right? You have to be a citizen. You have to be 35 years of age, right? There's certain qualifications that, that you need in order to become president. So how does it make sense if I tell you that in order to, being a student, being a, a doctor is greater than being the president because a president, you only need to be 35 and be a U.S. citizen. But a doctor, um, you need to go to medical school for about seven to 10 years. And that's why, and, and use all your different skills. You have to have to take this course and that course. How does that match up? One's talking about things you need to become king. And by, by the Torah, it's talking about a means that is needed to acquire the, the, the crown of Torah. That these are the traits which have to be utilized in order to gain the crown of Torah. So how does that show us that the Torah, that, that or learning Torah and gaining the, acquiring the crown of Torah is better than the crown of priesthood, right? And I just want to, and, and the crown of kingship. And I just wanted to just clarify for a moment, when we say the crown of Torah, you know, it's not a, a literal crown that we're talking about. We're talking about this, I guess the ability, or obviously a king has a crown, but the it, it, it's a it's it's this crown that we refer to, the crown of Torah, the crown of kingship, the crown of of priesthood. I, I think it, it represents a certain, I guess, nobility. It, it's a uh, it's it's the representation of what it is, of what the position is. And if you think about it, that's what a crown represents. A crown, you know, doesn't why do people refer to the king as the crown? You know, because it's it's not the, the 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 actual literally crown. It's what the crown represents that gives it significance. Because it, you know the the kingdom is worth more than what's on the crown. It's what the it's what the crown. I guess the esteem, what it gives over, what it represent the representation. So when we talk about the crown of kahuna, of the priest, the, the crown of the king, it means what these positions, the statuses of these positions, the statuses of, of priesthood, right? The importance of kingship. And still the Torah is more than that. So we're going back to our question. Why is it and how is it valid the comparison of our Mishnah? That the, and how does it show that the crown of Torah is more valuable than the crown of priesthood or kingship. Because, right, the showing me the ways to acquire the Torah, the 48 ways, just because it has 48 ways to acquire, how does that show that it's more than the requirements that are needed to, to become king? <clears throat> it's totally different. The the 48 ways that are listed are qualities that are needed to be utilized in order to reach that crown. But the 30 prereqs for the Kohen, for the king and the 24 for the Kohen are these like um, requirements that are needed to be the Kohen. He doesn't have to do anything after that. He's the Kohen. He's the king. 
Now, I saw a beautiful answer that's brought down by Rebuvian Feinstein. He explains that if a king doesn't have any one of the 30 requirements that the Mishnah, I mean, the Mishnah doesn't elaborate it, but that are brought down regarding a Jewish king, so then he, he can't be king. So the, so the, I guess, the, the prereqs, the qualifications that are needed for someone to get the job are numerous. And similarly for a Cohen, he needs at least 24 credits, you know, making a joke about that, right? He needs 24 credits just to get the job. And if he's missing one, he doesn't have enough credits, he can't graduate. No, he can't get the job, right? He can't get the job. He doesn't have the qualities to be the Cohen. So the Mishnah is telling us that if a, a Kohen needs 24 right, credits, let's just use the word, makes it easier for us to understand. And a king needs 30 credits to be king. So even though the 48 ways or the 48 qualities that are described in the Mishnah are not something that a person if a person has them, he automatically gains the crown of Torah. It's only if he utilizes them because the Mishnah is telling us that if it takes 48 qualities to just even attain the crown of Torah, it must be even more desirable than the other two crowns as well because it takes much more to get to that, I guess, peak, to get to the required credit amount. You need to have all these 48 credits and use it to get the crown of Torah. You can't just, even if you just have it, you have to, once a person has it, he has to use it towards serving Hashem. And it really brings us to another point, which I've mentioned before, is that although a person can study Torah, anybody can study Torah, the Torah is given to the Jewish people. Every Jew has a connection to the Torah. And, and we've talked about this, how Every Jew has their portion in Torah, that there's a, a, a area in Torah study and mitzvah observance that's specially connected to each and every one of you. And the first thing we have to know is that everybody can study Torah. Even if you don't have all these attributes that the Mishnah is listing, right, that we went through before and we're going to go through again now, you still can study Torah. Everyone needs to study Torah. But what the Mishnah is telling us here is that in order to maximize the, the benefit of Torah, right? In order to, to gain the most that we can, to be the best we can be, we have to use all our traits and our, all our abilities for the service of Hashem. And there's the morale brings down, he explains that the first 24 qualities which are brought down when, when that the Mishnah lists are, are related to the development of intelligence and methodology. Whereas the last 24 ways to are, 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 are techniques to develop and, and even subjugate one's character to, to refine ourselves, to not be consumed by the physical, right? To make ourselves a vessel for the Torah. And the way he explains it is that Quote, the godly intelligence cannot reside in a body consumed by its physicality. The godly intelligence, the Torah, cannot reside in a body consumed by its physicality. And what that means 
is that in order to, to, I guess, to grow to the most, to gain the most we can from the Torah, to be the best we can be, to get to our potential, to acquire the crown of Torah, one must become elevated through the Torah. And what that means is, is to allow it to change our insides, to change us. That when we study, we should use our, our, our whole selves. We should apply our whole selves to what we're doing. And it's also allowing the Torah to elevate us, which means allowing it to change us. And the idea is, is that when we put all of our, our utilities, all of our strengths and our weaknesses, everything we have, all of our, our character traits and our abilities towards the service of Hashem, we're able to, to gain that, to- that, that crown of Torah that we're describing here. Meaning anyone could study the Torah. But in order to maximize and to gain the most, to, to reach our potential, we have to use all our, 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 I guess, abilities and all our traits to serve Hashem. And that's what the mission is telling us here. Because that's the 48 ways that we're describing. And that's the reason why it's even more desirable than the crown of, of priesthood and the crown of, of kingship because it takes much more to get to that point. So if it takes much more to get to that point, it's obviously a more valuable and more desirable crown and status. Okay, so I'm gonna, what I wanna do is I'm gonna continue now with the Mishnah and I'm gonna go through the different sets of qualities that one needs to acquire in order to gain that you know, crown of Torah. And, and, I, and I want everyone to think about it. When I say crown of Torah, it's not this like, uh, you know, mystical crown that's somewhere in heaven. When, when I say crown of Torah, I think another way to understand it is that to be the most we can be, to reach our potential. Because ultimately in life, our mission is to get close to Hashem, to get close to God and to reach our potential. Meaning by, by serving Hashem, by serving God to our potential, we're, we're fulfilling our purpose. So when it says crown of Torah and using all our abilities, I think we could think of it as well as this, it's not just that this spiritual crown, you know, there is, there is such a concept like that. There is this spiritual crown and this lofty, there are lofty concepts, which I, I don't know too much about. I'm sure it, there are explanations about it. But I think an easier way for us to understand it is if we describe it in this way of reaching our full potential, that if we want to get to be the best we can be, to be the most we can be, to to get to as close as perfection as we can, we we need to use everything we can. And that's when we go to this Mishnah, we can think of it in that terms. It makes it a little bit more relatable for each and every one of us. So let's go through the Mishnah and see what we can accomplish tonight to get some clarity in the different traits that, the, that we need to use in order to gain this crown of Torah, to be the best we can be, to reach our potential. So the first set that we're going to go through tonight, here we go. We said the Torah is acquired with 48 ways. And these are the ways. And that's explained as study, attentive listening, articulate speech, intuitive understanding, and discernment. 
right? So the first thing we have to realize when it comes to Torah is that study, that we need to be consistent. We need to apply ourselves. And that's one of the reasons that we have an oral Torah, because if it would be on the shelf, it would be everything would be written. There wouldn't be a need to actively study. And that's what Hashem wants, because when we actively study, that's how it has an effect on us. We, when we engross ourselves in learning Torah and doing mitzvot, that's how we become more elevated people. We said, Shmias ha'izen by listening attentively, right? When we think about when it comes to doing the right thing, you know, and, and, and following the ways in the Torah, to be careful about, to make sure to listen properly, to not just, you know, do something and, and not pay attention, to focus, right? To talk. When we learn, when we study, when we daven, the sages all explain the importance of speaking out our learning. Even if someone who is, 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 is by themselves, when they're studying, there is a, a emphasis on the fact that people should talk, talk, talk to yourself, say it out loud. And you know what? Even when you are davening to Hashem, even in your own words, right? When you daven to Hashem from the sitter, <clears throat> it's, you're supposed to say out the words out loud that you could hear it. You, just loud enough that you could hear it is fine. You shouldn't not say the words. You should say the words. And similarly, when you're even davening from your own heart and soul, from your own words, which, is, which a person should do, talk, hear yourself say those words. Don't just say it in your mind. Speak it. And, when, and that's called talking to Hashem, talking to God. And nowadays, you could do that and no one will think you're crazy because you could just have a Bluetooth in your ear and no one thinks you're nuts. Don't worry. But the idea is, is that when it comes to our learning and our, and our davening, we should make sure to articulate what we're thinking, what we're, what we're studying. Because number one is you'll remember it better. And there is a, there's, it's, it's important to verbally bring forth the words of Torah, the words of, of prayer. It's not just something that should be in our mind. We should do the action of actually speaking it because it has more of an effect. Bevinas alev, right? Vesichlas alev. That's intuitive understanding and discernment to make sure we understand something fully, to not just flub our way through things and to pretend like we know. And sometimes it could be challenging when we're trying to gain understanding. We should try to understand fully to gain a full understanding because there's nothing like understanding something all the way. You know, we could sometimes fake it through and I myself included sometimes fake it through and I'm learning something. I tell myself that I understand it, but do I really understand it? Right. And that's something I have to, we all need to work on that when it comes to learning to try to, to push ourselves to fully grasp and fully understand. Right. And the mission continues, but Ama, Yira, right, with this, with awe, with reverence, we have to realize that the Torah is God-given. It's not something which is man-made. And when we realize that, we realize that there's a higher power here. It's, you know, maybe our opinion is not always the right opinion. The Mishnah continues, right? Besimcha, I'm skipping, I'm skipping around a little bit. We have, one needs to have joy, besimcha, taro, we have to have joyfulness when we study, right? We say, that the, 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 we know that the divine presence does not reside on man unless there is joy in doing Hashem's will. And it's actually a little scary because the verse was part of the curses that are listed in, in, uh, um, in Deuteronomy that the reasons that, you know, these hair-raising curses that can come in the Jewish people, they don't do the will of Hashem, do the will of God. 
says in there, that one of the reasons why these the tragedies happen to the Jewish people is that because we don't serve God out of happiness in times of, of, of joy, in times of good. And it's very important that when we when it comes to our Jewishness and the things we do, we should do it out of happiness. We should try to, and I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's always uh, the easiest thing, but it's something that we can be done. If we have the correct realizations, the correct outlook, it's a lot easier than we think. You know, if we, if we prepare ourselves mentally for something and we gain the right frame of mind, it can be a lot easier and the challenge goes away. Because many times, if we just come up to a situation which we know is hard for us, we're, we're going to lose it. You know, if we come up to a Pesach Seder and we're just, oh my goodness, how am I going to last this Pesach Seder again? How am I going to do this? But if we have a plan beforehand, you know what, maybe I'll prepare a little bit just to understand a little bit what I'm saying. And that part of the Seder, I'm going to try to enjoy the most I can to get a little bit of a deeper understanding on something to sing a song that you like in the Seder, right? That's, these are all ways and techniques that we can use to have joy in our service of Hashem. That's so important. And you know something? When you're joyful in one area, it spreads. Joy is infectious. The smile is infectious. And if you're going to start liking it in one place of the, of the Seder or one place of davening you're going to feel connected to, there's a very good chance you're going to start liking more of it. So my point is, is that we need to have this joy. The next set of, of qualities, b'shimush chachamim, right? B'diktuk chaveirim, hatamidim. By, I guess, the way that the, it, it was translated is ministering to the sages by, I guess, following around, stalking the sages. Doesn't mean stalking, but means, you know, Spending time with people who are Tamidi Chachamim, who are Torah scholars, people who are good examples, good Torah role models for you. Having closeness with colleagues, right? Being with a group of people. These are all qualities which are needed to acquire the to get to our perfection, to get to the crown of Torah. Because when we're with people, there's obviously practical reasons why we're better. We're humans, we're, we're meant to be with people. And there is a certain level of clarity that comes about when someone's with others, when someone is able to learn from others, when, ha- when someone has someone else to correct them, to put them back in the straight path. Now, we continue to there's a bunch of diff- there's a few different qualities that are gained through decreasing certain aspects of our lives. Right? That the Mishnah lists different areas in life, physical lives, which can maybe take away from a person if they don't take control over it, right? Limiting business activity, limiting sexual activity, limiting pleasure, limiting sleep, limiting conversation, limiting laughter. Doesn't mean that a person can't engage in any of these activities, right? It means that a person has to realize, and this is what we've talked about, what's priority and what's not priority, what's primary, what's secondary. So when, a, when it comes to this crown of Torah, right, which way we're understanding it is to gain our perfection, to, gain, to, to get to perfection, to reach our full potential, that sometimes it's going gonna, it's gonna, gonna to mean 
not doing certain things that maybe we have an urge to do because we know there's something more important out there that we need to get to, right? And I think we could all understand this. Like, you know, when we read this originally, it seemed a little bit extreme. Limiting conversation. What, what's, with this, what's with the Torah? I can't have a conversation. I can't laugh. And I'll ask you, when it comes to a, a funeral, do we laugh? No, it's not appropriate to laugh. We understand that. When we're in a rush to catch a train, do we sit and have conversations with people? No, we understand that it's not the time for a conversation. So the point is that when we know there's something else in the equation, when there's something greater, it, we have to sometimes hold back from things we maybe want to do right now because we're, we have the realization that there's something bigger and better we need to get to. And when it comes to Torah, when it comes to getting to our protect, perfection, to getting to our potential, we have to limit some things as well. And that's what the Mishnah is telling us. And the Mishnah finishes with many other traits. So we're going to go through it quickly. A person needs to have uh, slow to anger, a good heart, faith in the sages, right? all these different aspects, things that can happen in life in order to get to that perfection. is someone who knows his place, someone who's happy with his lot, who, who makes a protective fence around his personal matters. He doesn't, he doesn't um, you know, claim credit for himself. Ohov, right? He's, he's, he's being beloved. He loves, he loves God. He loves people, right? He loves creatures, the people. He loves the righteous ways. Right? These are all positive traits that one needs to have in order to get to that point. Um, he loves, he loves justice. He needs to have love for reproof. He has to go away from honor. He can't be arrogant with his learning. He cannot take joy in halachic decisions that he makes. He's he, 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 he shares his, his friend's burden with himself. And he judge, judges people favorably. He sets him on the truthful course. He sets, he stands up for truth. And he stands up for peace. He thinks liberally in his studies. He, he uh, studies, thinking deliberately in his studies, asking and answering, listening, contributing to the discussion. He's, he learns in order to teach. He, he learns in order to do. He, he makes his teacher wise. And pondering over what he has learned. And the Mishnah finishes. He says over what he has learned from the person he said it from. And we've, this is the last point of the Mishnah. I'm going to finish with this thought. Halamadata, for you have learned this. We have learned. That whoever, this is a Gemara, the Talmud relates that whoever repeats something in the name of the one who said it brings redemption to the world, as it said, and Esther said to the king in the name of Mordechai. That right, we mentioned before that when it came to big son and Seresh, the way the Esther related it to King Ahasuerus is that he said, she said that Mordechai told me that Big Son and Seresh, the two advisors are trying to kill you. They're trying to assassinate you. 
And she said it over in his name. And we know that the whole save, the save, I guess the salvation of the Purim story, the, the turning point where everything starts, flips around comes from Mordechai when, when he's in the middle of the night, Ahasuerus can't sleep and he goes through the book of remembrance, the book of, of, of Persia, and he reads the story how Mordechai saved him. And from that point, everything turns around. So we see that if somebody says something over Bashem Amrai, the name of the person who said it, they bring redemption to the world. And just a side point, it's not even saying the person's name. So you, you could say the person's name is great. But even if you say that someone said once, you quote them over anonymously, that also helps to bring Gula to the world. And the, the, the question is, what's the connection between um, saying over somebody something in somebody's name and bringing redemption to the world? How is that connected, right? It seems like a small act, but has a big effect. So how does one thing lead to the other? And the, the commentaries explain, and I want to make sure I say it over in the right commentary, because I want to say it over in the name of the correct one. Is that, is that the Maharal, he gives an explanation of this dynamic, that why attributing someone's work is a catalyst for redemption. He explains that Gullah's exile is a state in which people are not in their place. They're displaced. They're refugees, right? You think about the people in Ukraine who left Ukraine. They're, they're not in their homes anymore. They're in different countries. They're displaced. When the Jewish people were not where we're supposed to be, we're, we're exiled throughout the four corners of the world. So exile is a state in which people are not where they're supposed to be. They're displaced, both physically and spiritually. There's a spiritual aspect to it. I'm not familiar with this. Obviously, you know, I, we are, we have talked about it actually, but there's a spiritual aspect to exile as well. We don't have to base amigdash. We're not able to reach our potential. The, the physical expression, the way that redemption is reached on a physical level is when we return to our natural habitat, to our natural homeland, right? So when Mashiach comes, we'll be returned to Israel, to the land of Israel, and we'll be returned to where we're supposed to be. So therefore, somebody who gives credit to someone else for an idea, a Torah thought that they said, they're taking that exiled idea and putting it back in its natural habitat. They're giving credit to the one who said it. They're putting it back to the one who created the idea. So in a sense, they're redeeming the, the Torah thought. They're giving a redemption to that thought. And therefore, it only, you know, measure for measure, it only makes sense that one who says something over in the name that someone said it from brings redemption to the world because that's in essence what they're doing. They're creating redemption. It's also just a side point. It's brought down that when we say something over, in the name of the person who said it, we also bring merit to that person, which also could enable the redemption because there's a famous expression that the lips of Rashi, the lips of Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki never stop. That even though Rashi, Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki passed away, I don't know the history, but at least maybe even a thousand years ago, but his works, right, is... The, his commentary on, on Chumash, on Torah, on Talmud, on, on everything, the whole Torah is, is such a staple that no matter where you are in the world, at any time, there's probably somebody studying the works of Rashi. And that's a tremendous merit for him. Can you imagine? So his lips, so to say, 
his Torah that he created, that he learned, that he studied, that he wrote, is never ceasing. It's always continuing. So therefore, when we, when we say over something in the name of the person who said it, it's an extra merit for that person. And in essence, when we bring extra merits to the world, God willing, will merit the final redemption speedily in our days. So with that, I'm going to finish today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbi Shlomo Cohen with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.